Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Busan, the Korean Zombie versus Frankie Edgar. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday in South Korea. The hometown favorite, the hometown hero, the Korean Zombie. One of the most exciting fighters in the history of the sport returns against the former champion and future Hall of Famer, Frankie Edgar. Like you said, Frankie Edgar's a future Hall of Famer coming off that title fight to Max Holloway. I know he's looking to get back in the win column. And Korean Zombie, he's looking to continue that success uh, from the last fight. I mean, he put Moicano down as a, a fairly big underdog, put him down in less than a minute. So I'm excited to see his return. Uh, and anytime you get two legends of the sport like this to, to step in the cage, you already know it's fireworks, you know? For the Korean Zombie, seven fights inside the UFC octagon, seven performance bonuses. This guy is the definition of exciting. And at this point in his career, you know, it, it's just awesome to see him not just, you know, pan out and fade out like other exciting fighters. You remember the Leonard Garcias, you know, went on a big skid. The Korean Zombie's out here reinventing himself every single fight, and he's in the title mix once again. Yeah, 100% his last two fights. The Yair fight, I mean... I thought he gained a lot of stock, even in a loss. Not a lot of people would have been able to take the type of damage that both those men were taking. That's why you see both of them doing their thing right now. So, um, zombies, you know, let's see how he does this weekend. And for Frankie, Edgar is such an interesting spot because he was initially supposed to fight not just, uh, you know, a Hani Yaya or an Eddie Wineland at 135. Yeah. He was supposed to fight Corey Sanhagen in oh, his yeah. weight debut. Corey's and, a motherfucker, man. And now it's uh, actually, Frank, uh, you got you to gotta stay at featherweight and uh, fight the Korean zombie in South Korea. So it's going to be interesting to see what the former lightweight champions got left. Yeah, I mean, you can always count on Frankie Edgar to save the day. So, hey, save it. And you know he's going to bring it every single time. So I'm very excited to see this main event and uh first though we got to give a, a shout out to our sponsor flav cbd make sure you check them out at flavcbd.com use that promo code battle to save 10 percent and shack let's break down this whole card start to finish because first up in the bantamweight division we got ryan benoit he's 10 and 5 and highly alatang is 13 and 7 currently they got ryan benoit minus 120 the comeback on highly alatang is plus 100. Well, initially it opened minus 160 for Benoit. Most of the action has been coming in on the Chinese fighter fighting here in South Korea. And Haile Alateng, he came out here in his UFC debut, put on a hell of a fight. You know these two are going to stand and bang until most likely one man falls or it goes three rounds. And uh, it could be an early candidate for fight of the night. Yeah, this is a great matchup to start the card. Alateng, he came off the fight of the night against Baccarat. And Benoit, we haven't seen him in a while. But when Benoit was relevant, when he was fighting, I mean, he had to be one of the hardest hitting flyweights in the division. I mean, the guy's got a lot of power. But we know the issue with him is, you know, his cardio, his wrestling defense, the other uh, holes in this game. But we can't forget this guy knocked out Sergio Pettis. Uh, he knocked out Ashkan Mokhtari in, uh, in his last fight, but he missed weight. But no, it's really one of these guys that likes to shoot himself in the foot a lot. I mean, it always seems like, uh, you know, there's just something going wrong. Maybe this time off, he's had time to clear his head, come back a little bit more professionally. Uh, Alatang, I mean, look, he's a good fighter, but let's not forget this guy's been knocked out stiff on more than two two or three occasions. Um, I know that he's had a, you know, a career resurgence, but his last fight against Baccarol, you know, those are what I like to refer to as bottom of the barrel uh, 135ers, 125ers. Those are entry-level fighters. Benoit's got a lot more experience. Benoit beat Sergio. I think if Benoit 
comes prepared for this fight. I see he's been training in New York. Like I, th- I think he might come here with a uh, with a clear head, and I think that if he shows up, he's better than Haile Alateng. He's got more power than Haile Alateng, and I think that he can expose Haile Alateng's chin. So I'm gonna go with Ryan Benoit uh, by third round knockout. Is there any truth to Ryan Benoit taking a couple boxing matches here during his uh, two year layoff? Uh, I know he took a grappling match and lost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think I saw him uh, taking a couple boxing matches, so he's definitely been active to some degree in combat sports uh, during the layoff. And here moving up to 135 pounds, he doesn't have the huge weight cut, but he does have a massive experience advantage, especially inside the UFC's octagon compared to Haile Alatang. No, it's uh, it's at thirty five. So it, it's just gonna be interesting to see, uh, you know, if the flight affects him. You know, the flight to South Korea is no joke, and Holly Elitang is gonna give him the kind of fight he wants. They're gonna meet in the middle. They're gonna throw big bombs. I think the more seasoned and experienced Ryan Benoit gets it done, so I'm going to pick him here for the win. Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got Miranda Granger. She's seven and zero, and Amanda Lemos is six and one. Currently, they got Miranda Granger, minus 185. The comeback on Amanda Lemos is plus 160. Well, Shaka, this initially opened minus 350 for Miranda Granger, so Vegas has a lot more confidence in Granger than uh, than the public here. Which side do you agree with? Yeah, it's an interesting fight. Lemos is coming off the USADA suspension. Uh, she tested positive, and prior to that, she had the one fight against Leslie Smith at 135s, uh, in which that she... Uh, Got knocked out in, got finished, so she's dropping two-way classes. Wow, so it's interesting. Now, Lemos is a fighter. She's definitely, early on early on in the fight, she's definitely going to be the better athlete, the one with more power, uh, more speed early on. She's one of these hard-hitting Brazilian Muay Thai fighters. She trains with the the uh, Alcantara brothers. You know, she kind of, she knows what a war is like. The thing is, in a lot of her fights in Brazil, man, she was fighting these Brazilian soccer moms that were letting her get away with, you know, a lot of things. I mean, so in some of her fights, she'd almost knock the girl out, but then get severely tired and then give up her back and then just do sloppy things. You know, it's uh, kind of showing signs of someone that can't keep it together throughout the course of a 15-minute period. Now, Miranda Granger doesn't have the power or the, the ferocity of, uh, of Amanda Lemos. But, you know, she is a more of a complete fighter, in my opinion, especially on the ground. She's won every fight that she's been in. And, of course, first L time could come through. But I feel like people might be reading this one wrong. I feel like Lamos is one of these fighters that, yeah, she hits hard. She, yeah, she, she uh, swings big bombs. But for how long can she do it? And the ground game, man, I feel like Miranda Granger is not the girl to play with on the mat. And, I mean, if she looked really good her last fight, I think that she knows she's aware of this girl's power. And I think that Lamos might start good early. But the longer this fight goes, I think Lamos will get tired. And you'll see Miranda Granger, who I feel like has some decent striking herself. I mean, she wobbled Hannah Goldie a couple times in that fight. So I, I think Miranda, Granger's, uh, Miranda Granger is going to get this win. And I think it's going to be by late submission. I think she's going to uh, get an arm bar, a rear naked choke of some sort, and, and get a, go to 2-0 in the UFC. This is an interesting fight because obviously the biggest criticism I had for Amanda Lamos was... Her cardio, you know, her style, she throws everything into every single strike. So, you know, with that kind of style, you're going to gas out quick. And uh, for her to drop two weight classes to 115 pounds, that means that she's working a ton, a ton of cardio. It's just it's going to come down to her adjusting her style and calming, calming down inside the octagon because the stuff we've seen on the regional scene and her UFC debut will not fly uh, in the UFC, period. You know, she throws... Super hard with every single shot. 
doesn't rest at all in the fight, you know what I mean? And then she starts backing up. And you start to put the pressure on Amanda Lemos, and uh, she will break. And Miranda Granger is a fighter that not only goes forward the whole time, but the whole question is, well, can she take a big shot? In that Hannah Goldie fight, I saw her eat uh, shin to chin, followed by a sidekick to the throat, and she kept walking forward, no problem. So even though Hannah Goldie probably doesn't hit as hard as uh, Amanda Lemos, it still gives me it still gives me confidence that. Miranda Granger has the right idea and that she's not going to be deterred by big shots coming her way. So I think the longer this fight goes, the better for Miranda Granger. And uh, eventually she's going to finish the fight via submission. So I will go with Miranda Granger as well. Now next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Saeed Nurmagomedov, who's 13-1, and and Hayoni Barcelos, who's 14-1. and Currently, they got Hayoni Barcelos, minus 115. The comeback on Saeed Nurmagomedov is minus 105. Well, Shaq, uh, this one, line margins definitely tightened up, man, because uh, it opened minus 155 for Barcelos. Public has a lot of confidence on Saeed Nurmagomedov. And honestly, I don't blame him. I mean, you saw the performance he put up against uh, Ricardo Ramos moving up to 135 pounds. And Hayoni Barcelos, been a buzzsaw at featherweight and uh, 135 pounds. So this is one matchup that I've been looking forward to ever since it got announced. And they've actually tried to book them together on a few uh, separate occasions. So finally going to go down here in uh, Busan, South Korea, neutral territory. And I, I can't wait, man, because with Hayoni Barcelos, obviously the boxing skill is very on point. And even real boxers have commented that, hey, this guy's no slouch. This guy's been in boxing gyms uh, holding his own. And the interesting part about it is that's not even his background. This guy's actually a world championship black belt uh, jujitsu player. So talk about a very well-rounded guy and his style. A lot of people have referred to him as uh, the new the new incarnation of WEC Aldo. And to an extent, I agree, man. He looks even bigger, you know. And at 135 pounds, man, this guy is a tank. And it's the kind of situation, he's got the kind of level on the mat where he takes your back one time and the fight could be over shortly after. But when you talk about a kid like Saeed Nurmagomedov, this guy's a little buzzsaw. Makes his UFC debut completely sucked out at flyweight. I mean, the guy killed himself to make the weight, but still goes out there. And it's one thing to, you know, get your ass kicked by Justin Scoggins and then come back and finish him with a sub. But it's another thing to not only beat Scoggins in the wrestling department, but also the striking. And that's exactly what Saeed Nurmagomedov did. Then he moved up to 135 pounds, puts away Ricardo Ramos in the first round. I'm super impressed with this kid, Saeed Nurmagomedov. Uh, when he gets you hurt, when he starts spinning, uh, when he starts uh, getting a swag in there, he spazzes out on guys, Shaq, and uh, it's very fun to watch. The one thing I'm concerned about for him in this spot is that I think there's a big size difference here. I do think that the former featherweight versus uh, the former flyweight, I do think that dynamic will be a factor here. Yes, Saeed will be the faster guy. Hayoni will be the bigger guy. But I think this is a spot where size can come into play because it plays in the Hayoni's uh, strengths, which is his Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, even though we're dealing with a Russian here in Saeed, I completely understand. I just think that Hayoni's level on the mat 
is too much uh, against most of the guys uh, in this weight class period. So we're going to find out if that's true or not. And uh, on the stand-up exchanges will be very interesting. But I do see Hione Barcelos not bullying Saeed Nurmagomedov, but, you know, edging the fight out, takedowns at the last 30 seconds, things among the uh, that nature. So I'm going to go with Hione Barcelos to, to keep uh, his undefeated UFC record alive. Yeah, he makes some good points there. Saeed Nurmagomedov, I mean, that dog money that was uh, available early, I mean, if you took it, I don't blame you. I mean, his last name is Nurmagomedov. He does win the majority of his fights. Uh, like you said, the 125 thing was a bad move, but then he bounced back and smoked Ramos in the first round. But in this particular fight against Barcelos, he's going to have to mind his, P uh, his P's and Q's because if he gets close to Barcelos, I mean, you got to think he's going to get pushed back. You, you got you to gotta think that Barcelos is going to be landing the harder shots. Um, he's going to have to do his spins and, and be really sharp. I just don't see him keeping it together throughout the course of the 15 minutes against a guy like Barcelos, who is such a bully, who's got that type of power. I mean, you remember that fight with Holaba, those uppercuts, I mean, the trips with the takedowns. I mean, he also dominated another guy in Chris Gutierrez easily. And his last fight against Houchin was another easy fight. So I think that Saeed and Megan Meadow, both these guys have bright futures, and I wouldn't be shocked if he won, but I just favor it high. Tony Barcelos, uh, you know, 60-40. I just think that he's the bigger uh, bigger guy, and I think it's going to play a big factor. I think that Saeed is not going to be able to uh, stop this forward pressure, and I think that Hyoni's going to land the harder shot. So, But I feel like both these guys, honestly, could be in the top 15. I mean, I mean, both these guys are legit. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see it go either way, but I lean Barcelos for the reasons I mentioned, but man, uh, both guys got very bright futures inside the UFC's octagon, and I can't wait to see what happens. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a banger here, Shaq, between Alexandre Pantoja. He's 21-4, and and Matt Schnell is 14-4. and Currently, they got Alexandre Pantoja minus 210. The comeback on Matt Schnell is plus 175. Well, Shaq, these guys were actually teammates, on the Ultimate Fighter. Now they meet inside the Octagon. They even train together outside the Ultimate Fighter at ATT. Both guys very familiar with each other. Obviously, Pantoja, ever since he came into the UFC, the guy's been absolutely killing it. One of the most exciting fighters in that division. And Schnell, a bit of a shaky start where people were saying it wasn't going to pan out. Now the kid's on a four-fight win streak. Who do you think gets it done? Schnell's been on a roll lately, man. And it's, and it's, it's funny there's really not, I don't want to say too much different because I feel like he's still getting hit with shots. I feel like his confidence is just is uh, just through the roof right now. And he's walking through those shots and he's believing in his skills. And the dude's super, uh, you know, coordinated. I mean, he's fast. He's fast twitchy. He's got a lot of good athletic tools. And if you're in up to, uh, up to speed with him athletically, man, he might make you look silly out there. I mean, he's got that type of capability. And Pantoja is more of a, uh, a stationary brawler. You know, Pantoja is going to keep the volume really, really low but when he does go forward it's going to be vicious he might throw five punches at once he might come after you i mean we know that on the mat schnell's been uh sub submitting a lot of guys but i highly doubt that's going to happen ag against uh pantoja i mean pantoja's just on a completely different class of black belt than smoker and uh jordan espinoza so i feel like schnell's best chance is to keep this fight at distance and try to point pantoja and try to make him look and try to make him look uh you know a step behind pantoja that that is a hole in his game uh, i just don't see schnell being able to out wrestle him or out grapple him but i do see a path to victory with the striking it's just now this is going to be the real test to see where schnell's chin is at because in the past it hasn't been a uh 
In the streak, it hasn't been an issue, but in the past, it was. And when you look at the guys he's been fighting, look, Marco Beltran is a nice guy. Luis Smoke is a nice guy. He just knocked out Ryan McDonald. But, you know, when he takes that real step up in competition, what happens every time? And Jordan Espinosa was coming off one win, a close win in that, you know. So I think this is a completely, this is a top five level of competition as where he was fighting guys barely in the top 15. So I still lean Pantoja. I feel like it could be lined a little bit closer, but I think Pantoja is still going to be able to uh you know maximize in those spots where he's moving forward and i think that he you know schnell will feel the damage for once i, I think there's going to be a difference in power and intensity and i don't i don't see schnell having the success on the mat so i'm gonna go with pantoja here this is a really interesting matchup because of where they are in their careers man because a couple of years ago you know i'd be it'd be max bet season on alexandre pantoja and a lot of people think it might still be and they might be right so it Here's my whole thing, man, because I'm trying to figure out this deal with Matt Schnell's chin, and, and hear me out on this. So obviously, Rob Font, no problem. You know, that, that was a fair and square knockout. But then the next one against Hector Sandoval seemed a little alarming, you know. That was, uh, were you and I in attendance for that one? Was that in Nashville or in the ATL? Uh, Nashville. Nashville. Look, I was in attendance for that one, and it was almost like, yo, like that, those, those were some short shots, like I... Maybe he's very chinny, you know. I was I was very alarmed by that knockout loss to Hector Sandoval. But uh, and you know my boy Jonathan Martinez, Loki knocked him out back in the day. But the Hector Sandoval one was alarming. So then I, I thought it wasn't going to quite pan out. Now the kid's on a four fight win streak. But you look at the the Espinosa fight because that's the one that really let me know that maybe it might actually be a confidence thing because you see these guys like Diego Lima working around their chin. You think that all of a sudden. They eat one shot, they're going to go out cold. Now Diego Lima's on this win streak. You know, guys like that, that used to get knocked out every fight. And they attribute it to a, a confidence thing, feeling more comfortable inside the octagon. Because what I'm trying to get at is in the first minute against Jordan Espinosa, Espinosa cracked him with two big overhands that I swear would have put Schnell out a couple years ago when he was on that skid. And he ate it, no problem, Shaq. So... I'm not entirely writing off the possibility that Pantoja can knock him out, but I also am not gonna. I also got to give credit to to Schnell's improvements inside inside the cage, man, because he's been eating shots better in there, man. He's been moving better, and obviously on the mat, when these guys try to take him down, uh, his guillotine to triangle setup is absolutely disgusting. Do I think he's gonna hit that on Pantoja? Probably not. I mean, Pantoja is a disgusting black belt. This is gonna be the big test for Matt Schnell. And you gotta lean with Pantoja. You gotta set him the favorite in this spot. It's just uh interesting where they are in their respective careers because Pantoja, he's an absolute warrior, but that last fight against Davison Figueredo, you know, I'm not sure if he took off enough time, you know, between that fight and this one. You remember Jeff Neal versus Mike Perry, and I'm not comparing Matt Schnell to Jeff Neal by any stretch of the imagination, but what I am trying to say is Mike Perry had that three-round war with Vicente Luque and showing off his durability every single fight and uh, didn't take the proper amount of time off, comes back and gets stopped in a minute 30 seconds, so... I'm just saying, did Pantoja take the right amount of time off and has he been healed properly? Because, you know, it's not just uh, the time between the fight ending and this fight starting. It's also all the sparring rounds in the training camp as well, man. So I'm wondering if Pantoja is fully healed from the Davison-Figueredo fight, which was an absolutely grueling battle. So 
You got to lean Pantoja. He's proven more at this point, but I would not count Schnell out in this spot. So I'm going to pick Pantoja, but I'm not counting out Schnell here. He might possibly be live or he might get blown out. So, you know, I, I can't wait to find out. So my pick is Pantoja. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got Omar Morales. He's 8-0 and and Dong Young Ma is 16-10. and Currently, they got Omar Morales minus 200. The comeback on Dong Young Ma is plus 170. Well, Shaq, uh, obviously everyone's very familiar with Dong Young Ma. Had that amazing fight against Polo Reyes, which is... Uh, and, and he knocked out Takanori Gomi in the first round too. But Omar Morales, uh, for those that aren't familiar with him... We, uh, we know exactly who this kid is because he was supposed to fight best fight pick sponsor athlete and the number one lightweight in the southeast, Robert King Hale. He was supposed to fight Hale at LFA and then Omar Morales pulled out because he got the contender series uh, call against Harvey Park in which he went out there and performed very admirably. But I was already scouting this kid out before he was in the UFC and what I know about him is... The calf kick game uh, for Omar Morales, uh, this kid is a very explosive athlete. He's big for the weight class. And uh, when he starts to get off on those kicks, it's not going to take too many to make his opponent start limping. And I'm not just referring to uh, that fight on Contender Series versus Harvey Park, who, by the way, had a 12-2 and record going into that fight, Shaq. But uh, even his fight in Bellator. So it's not like this kid's coming from all these, you know, uh, no disrespect, but rinky-dink promotions. This guy's fought in Bellator and Contender Series before making that UFC uh, debut here. And granted, this fight is in Dong Young Ma's turf. You got to give him that. But what I've seen from Omar Morales, the ceiling is so much higher. The athleticism, the power, and he brings a strength that uh, plays right into Dong Young Ma's weakness. You've noticed in Dong Young Ma's last few fights, the calf kicks uh, are a huge weakness of his. Starting with the Damian Brown fight, the Devante King Cage Smith fight, and uh, most recently the Scotty Holtzman fight, and I, I think Omar Morales is going to put the icing on the cake, my man. You know, I think that he's shown that not only is his kicking game, his striking on point, his cardio is good as well, but the guy's takedown defense and get-up game, that's what I was wondering. You know, is he well-rounded? Well, he's over there in Florida with Henry Hoof's camp, putting in work with a bunch of good wrestlers on the mat there. And and yeah, Kamaru Uzman, guys, Vicente Luque, Gilbert Dorino, Burns, Chaz Skelly, shout-out to my boy. So he's putting in the right amount of work with the right guys. And I think he's going to be poised uh, to come out here and get a get a knockout over a weathered Dong Young Ma. Look, I respect Ma. He's a very exciting guy. Came through for us against Gomi. The fight he gave the fans against Polo Reyes, got to tip my cap to the guy, but at this point in his career, I, I think it's time to take a L. Omar Morales addressed the flight. He came more than a week early. Assuming he's acclimated, uh, I think he comes out here and shows out, Shaq, so I'm going Omar Morales for the knockout. Yeah, you know, I think Dong Ma, like you said, he's a very weathered guy. You know, his fight with Polo Reyes was great and all, but like I said, I said a while back, uh, look, in a few years from now, both these guys might be at the UFC, and that all that damage that they took was, uh, I mean, look, they got a nice check that night, and... You know, I'm sure, uh, <laughs> yeah. but that fight was very, you know, low level in my opinion. It was a great, you know, great slobber knocker, two guys trading, but Dungan Ma, I feel like, is a guy that wasn't going to last. I think he's had a good run. I feel like he's achieved all that he could achieve. You know, he got a couple of wins, but this guy came into the UFC with, uh, you know, over five or six losses. Uh, it was at 170, got knocked out, but then he dropped out and beat Takanori Gomi, who, if I mean, if you can't beat Takanori Gomi in the UFC, Brendan O'Reilly, not in the UFC anymore, and 
and Damian Brown, who is not in the UFC anymore. And that fight was very close. And it's nothing to be uh, proud of, to be honest with. And Omar Morales, although he has only fought two legit guys, I mean, the, the maybe past those step up in competitions, I feel like this is a, another reasonable step up. A 16 and guy, a 16 and 10 guy who's already shown no weakness to calf kicks. Uh, Devontae Smith got him with the calf kicks and then knocked him out. Uh, and then you saw Scott Holtzman in his last fight swell his eye up really bad. He wasn't a, he wasn't able to continue uh, going into the third round. I mean, look in the past he was able to continue into the third round, but what keeps what happens when you keep progressively going? You know, with that yeah, style exactly. especially, he's gonna stand there and get. Uh, Cav kicked, and I think Omar sets up sets up a big overhand right, and, and probably knocks him out in the first round. So I'm gonna go with Omar Morales. I think he's too sharp, too crisp. Uh, he's a little older. I think he he will uh, handle this moment a little better than most uh, debuting guys, and I, and I think he gets a his UFC win. Now next up in the featherweight division, we got Sung Woo Choi. He's seven and three, and Suman Mokhtarian is eight and one. Currently, they got Sung Woo Choi minus two eighty. The comeback on Suman Mokhtarian is plus 240. Well, I'll, I'll go up. I'll, I'll straight up say that Sung Woo Choi did not come through for me against Gavin Tucker, but it showed me that, man, uh, even though Mozvar Evloev showed the, the big weakness in this kid's game, I was kind of like, you know, this guy is a Khabib. Uh, I'm not convinced Gavin Tucker is going to go out there and do that to him. And then it turns out that uh, maybe this kid Choi has no ground game whatsoever. Uh, but man, uh, on the feet, he's got some. He's got some skill on the feet, man. He's got a nice little volume striking sky, uh, style. If he can fix up this uh, this weakness in his game, he might be able to win a couple fights. Uh, you think he wins this one against a guy in Suman Mokhtarian who's won fights via Twister, won fights via TP uh, Choke uh, 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 against Snow, the Snow Cone guy? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? He's out here in Australia fighting these cans, and he really hasn't beaten any, anyone legit at all. Uh, maybe a 5-2 and two guy, that might be the best guy he's beaten. So Sungwoo Choi, his ground game, his clinch defense is just terrible. The kid can't get out of the clinch to save his life. He's definitely long, tall, a long, tall featherweight. So I think on the feet, if he stays on the feet, he should be able to, you know, land the cleaner strikes. Maybe uh, out volume, out volume. who's striking is just, you know, not very good. But Suman, you, there's a there's a case to make that he's a lot tougher than Sungwoo Choi because. Sung Woo Choi, some of the faces that he's making when he's in these clinch positions, I mean, the kid just looks, I mean, you know, we said Mazvar, you know, that's, that's a little could be, but then we put you in there with Gavin Tucker, and I mean, you get on top of him, and you give up position again, you look completely out of it, now it's on his turf, maybe he'll feel a little bit more comfortable, you know, maybe uh, he gets to sleep in his bed this time, I guess I'll lean him, but if anyone took the shot on Suman, I wouldn't blame you, I mean, this kid Sung Woo Choi can be punked out, I would be very careful. But like I said, Suman McTerry has been out here fighting snow cone guys. Uh, I remember some of the opponents, his teammate Nadia was out here fighting before she got in the UFC. I mean, that's the scene they come from. I, I mean, it's a, it's a joke. So <laughs> I'll, I'll take uh, Sung Woo Choi by uh, split decision. Yeah, you know, I really wanted to come out here and pick uh, Suman Mokhtari and be a TP choke. But then I then I watched some of his fights and it was like, yo, uh, <laughs> this ain't gonna pan out in the UFC. And I know Song Wu Choi has look, you know, he's gotten the floor mopped his last two fights, but I still think he's got a little bit more skill here than uh than Suma Mokhtarian's got the home field advantage. I think Vegas opened him a big favorite for a reason. So uh 
He might uh, finally get his first uh, UFC victory. Don't be surprised if uh, you know he gets uh, twisted. But uh, I'm going. I'm going uh, Sung Woo Choi here to win this fight. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got the big uh, heavyweight prospect everyone's been talking about, Cyril Gan. He's five and zero, and Tanner Bozer is seventeen and five. Currently, they got Cyril Gan minus six fifty. The comeback on Tanner Bozer is plus four seventy five. Well, Shaq. Uh, Sir- a lot of action's been coming in on Bozer the last uh, couple of days. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> man, uh, Cyril Gaon definitely will have the higher ceiling, but Tanner Bozer much more experienced uh, to a point. So what are you thinking, man? Is the hype train going to roll? I mean, look, Gaon's, like you said, higher ceiling, bigger athlete, faster. Um, but he's definitely, you know, inexperienced. But he has been beating guys with some good records. I mean, he beat 9-0, and 8-1, uh, 7-0 and guy. So he has been taking these steps up. Bozer, I will say, com- coming into his fight with Spitz, I thought he was a complete trash can. And I know Spitz uh isn't you know isn't too good himself but I, I i was impressed with some of the with some of the skills he had i was like this guy you know he, he he's uh he he's, paid his dues he's smart man he fights very smart i would not be shocked if he uh presented a little bit more problems uh in comparison to any of gone's past opponents i still expect gone to get the win at some point but bozer's got a hard head man bozer's a tough guy he's very smart he knows uh, where to where to capitalize at. I, I'm gonna take Gon, but uh, I won't sleep on my boy Bozer. But he's probably he's he's gonna lose. But I just want to show him some respect. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you got to man. Uh, especially like like you said, my perception of Tanner Bozer going into the UFC was, you know, he's just uh, he's the Canadian big country. You know, he, he t- swings the occasional overhand right. He's got the mullets missing the tooth, the whole bit, but. Goes in there, and man, his boxing wasn't half bad. But then again, it was Daniel Spitz. Uh, you know, Tanner Bozer was knocked out by Tim Hagen six seconds back in the day. You know, So I'm just saying, it is possible for this man to be slept. But man, the experience counts for something, man. Experience counts for a lot in this game. But with Cyril Gaon, you know, to talk about a guy with a kickboxing background, he's going out here winning fights via heel hook. You know, in my experience watching the sport, I've learned that you got to... You, you don't just jump the gun on these prospects because everyone, you know, at one point is, you know, that that next big prospect that everyone's been hyping up. And you've seen time and time again where it doesn't pan out. I mean, you know, big old examples, the Brandon Veras, the Eric Silvas, all these things, right? Brandon Thatch, you know, you remember those are just examples of guys that, you know, they had a very impressive two fights coming to the UFC. Jason Knight, Knight, you know, everyone's thinking these guys are going to be, wow, you know, mainstays, and you saw how it panned out, so... (laughs) By no means am I, you know, am I saying that's going to be the trajectory for Cyril Gaon, not at all, because I think this guy's very impressive, like I said, the kickboxing background, but then he's going out here, and he's winning fights via heel hook, at heavyweight, fights via arm triangle, so that just shows me that... This guy has an elite mindset because he's not just going out here, you know, sticking to his bread and butter, which is absolutely amazing. And when he gets the chance to show off his strikes, you're very impressed. But he's branching out and he's putting as much effort as he put into his striking into all areas of MMA. And uh, 
it's quite a beautiful thing to see, man. So I'm very curious to see how he deals with this step up. Uh, I'm definitely uh, leaning his way. I mean, he's a big favorite in this spot. I think he is going to come out here and get a finish. And I just can't wait to actually see what the ceiling truly is on a guy like Cyril Gan. So, you know, their first L time is always around the corner for most undefeated fighters, except uh, Khabib and John Jones. Eh? Their time might be coming too. You never know. But in this uh, specific spot, I'm going to go with Cyril Gan, uh, continue the undefeated win streak, and uh, go 6-0. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got Kyung Ho, Mr. Perfect Kang. He's 16-8, and and Ping Wan Lu is 15-5. and Currently, they got Kyung Ho Kang, minus 250. The comeback on Ping Wan Lu is plus 210. Well, Shaq, obviously Kyung Ho Kang is the much more experienced fighter in this spot, but he's also the more aging fighter in this spot. So do you think this is a good time for Ping Wan Lu to come here and uh, catch uh, the fading Kyung Ho Kang? And I say fading with all due respect, or is it too much too soon no matter what? Yeah, I think it's more of the latter. I think it's a little bit too much too soon. Ping Wan Lu is a very promising young fighter training partners with Sung Yadong, and I, I got a lot of respect for him, but when you look at his UFC career, he's still showing he's still making a lot of mistakes in each fight. The Damian Stasiak fight, I actually bet on him in that fight uh, as an underdog in his UFC debut, and you know, it was a good uh, showing, but we know that Damian Stasiak is a fighter that can be overpowered very easily. His technique is trash, and Ping Wan Lu was uh, just a, a beneficiary of that. Then he goes into his fight with Martin Day, who's a really good counter-striker, got good spin techniques, and it was a it it was a close fight. I mean, Ping Wan showed his heart in that fight. Uh, it could have went either way, but I like how he won that third round, dropping Martin Day, and uh, he showed his spirit in that fight. But Ping Wan in each of his fights kind of has a tendency to back up a little bit. You know, he kind of uh, feign a little bit too much, not really do. You saw it in the Martinez fight. Martinez was able to get him biting on some of those feints and eventually got the knockout. And Kyung Ho King, I will say, although he's getting a lot older, he's got a lot of experience. I mean, this guy went to split decision with Ricardo Ramos, but he is getting a little older. He, uh, and his weight cuts are definitely a lot. I mean, the guy's a very, very big bantamweight. But I still think he's overall better than Ping Wan Lu. And I think that if he can get Ping Wan Lu moving backwards, that, I mean, the guy's jab is very on point. It's very sharp. Uh, but, I mean, he has been making mistakes himself. I mean, his fight with Brandon Davis, I felt like he won that fight clearly. But uh, he did have a little issue with the calf kicks. But I think Ping Wan Lu just backs up a little bit too much to beat a guy like Kyung Ho King. And I got Kyung Ho King uh, for, a win, for a win in his home, uh, in his home city. Yeah, look, I mean, Kyung Ho Kang, obviously the much more experienced fighter. And interestingly enough, if you look at the numbers, he's got Ping Wan Lu B in every single area. Now, there's not even one advantage to Ping Wan Lu in terms of the numbers. But obviously, fights are not contested on paper, as you all know. And uh, with Ping Wan Lu, I mean, look, I got to give the guy a lot of credit. He came through for us uh, against uh, Damian Stasiak. I know you remember those plus 100 odds. So, you know, I got to tip my cap to the guy. Uh, I don't... I don't think that he's, uh, you know, as bad or as boring as other people may make him seem. I actually like watching the guy fight a lot. You know, there's a little ox out there, you know. And uh, the big criticism people have for him is he kind of has a little bit of low volume. But Kyung Ho Kang has low volume as well. So it's going to be a very interesting fight to see how it plays out. But I agree with you when you say that. Just at this point in, in, in their respective careers, man, uh, Kyung Ho Kang is the far more experienced guy, the more seasoned guy, the better skills, and I think he's going to most likely find a way to win here. So I'm going to go with Kyung Ho Kang as well. 
Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got we got Jun Young Park. He's ten and four, and Mark Andre Berrio is eleven and three. Currently, they got Mark Andre Berrio minus one twenty five. The comeback on John Young Park is plus one hundred five. Well, both guys trying to get their first UFC victory. Uh, both guys like to slug it out. Huh? Who do you think is going to get this one done, man? Yeah, Mark Andre Berriot, you know from uh, from Quebec, uh, has had a rough two fights. I fought a tough winner, Andrew Sanchez, and then he fought a former top ten, eleven guy, Christoph Drago. Uh, so Berriot kind of had to elevate his skills a lot. Now he's getting a, a much easier fight, in my opinion, in comparison to those two guys. And in Park, and Park's one of these guys where I feel like the only thing he has is. You know, he's got some de- uh, decent uh, fast hands. I mean, he is a pretty crisp. He can land. He definitely rocked Fluffy uh, in that fight. But Ariel, I think he's just better than this guy overall. I think he's more tougher. I think that he, uh, if, I feel like he'll probably be a little bit more confident this time, or at least should be. Um, the thing with Ariel is he kind of runs into this wall where his volume gets really low. He, uh... I honestly didn't think the fight with Jocko was that close, to be honest. I I just watched it yesterday. I didn't think it was close at all, you know? Um, But, hey, I think that he's more tougher than this guy. I think that he can be the bully in this matchup. A former 205-er, Barry Altis, as well. This guy, Jung Young Park, uh, he just seems like the type of guy that if he gets pushed back, he he will fold. And I think that if uh, Barry Altis... Is his normal self like in TKO where he was the two-way world champion? I think that he can get the knockout win here, so I'll take Barry up. This is more among the lines of the kind of opponent he would have fought at TKO. You, you know, you're not going to see him fighting guys like Christoph Jocko and Andrew Sanchez in no TKO, but here with uh, John Young Park, this is the kind of opponent where you should come out here and win. Obviously, there's certain things you got to be concerned about laying chalk on a guy like Mark Andre Berrio. You know the fact that he is a little bit on the slower side. He can uh, be grinded out at times, outworked, but it doesn't really seem to me like Park presents those kind of problems. I don't really foresee him going out there and shooting for too many takedowns in this spot. Interestingly enough, a lot of people don't know he actually has a. Anaconda finish win over Ray Cooper, who is fighting for the million. So, you know, uh, he's got that under his belt. But, you know, at the UFC level, it didn't just, it, it really didn't seem like he's ready at this point. The takedown defense is so uh, suspect. And while people think of Mark Andre Berrio as this brawler, and indeed he does love to throw his hands for sure, on some of these regional fights, uh, I've seen him go out there, pick guys up, and slam them, and uh, full mount them, and pound them out unconscious. Like he did to Alex uh, Morgan, I believe the guy's name was. Or no, was it a- Adam Hunter or Alex? Adam Hunter. Adam Hunter, excuse me. So, yeah, he uh, definitely took care of biz there. It's just at, at the higher level, and you're talking about guys in the top 20, like Christoph Jocko, you go for those slams. And guys like that, if you're not on your game, uh, you know, they will reverse you, end in full mount, as you saw at the end of that round, right? But, uh here with a guy like Johnny on Park, you know, I, I, it was very alarming how easily he was taken down his last fight. And I see that path to victory for Barrio, but I also think on the feet that he should have some success there. I mean, when this guy cracks, people tend to feel it, man. And you got to give Park credit for the fact that he is willing to throw some bombs. You give him a stand-up fight and, uh, you know, he will uh, he will stand and bang. So you got to definitely tip your cap to him. But I got to go with Mark andre Barrio to get his first UFC win here on uh, anime on enemy territory 
Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got Da Eun Jung. He's 12 and 2, and Mike Rodriguez is 10 and 4. Currently, they got Mike Rodriguez minus 220. The comeback on Da Eun Jung is plus 100. Well, Shaka, I know for a fact that Mike Rodriguez let a lot of people down with uh, those near minus 500 odds in his last fight against John Alon, a guy who was finished by. Uh, Vinicius Mamouche uh, Mojera. So now, now I gotta know. I mean, what wh- what are we supposed to make of this guy Rodriguez? Is it is it first round or bust? Is it all you got to do is stand up to him? Because I mean, he's got all the athletic uh, traits, man. He's got the height. He's got the eighty two inch reach. We've seen the flying knee knockouts, but it seems like anytime you extend this guy, tends to fall apart. You think uh, Daun Jung's capable of doing that? Yeah, it's a very close fight. Like you said, Rodriguez, between the two, is definitely the better athlete, taller, bigger, more powerful. And in my opinion, Jung probably has more of a complete understand, a better understanding of the complete overall game. I mean, Rodriguez at times can look lost in there uh, when they when they get in the clinch and the grappling. I mean, some of the things he was doing against Alon was just like very disappointing. And sometimes guys like him come along. You know, they got all the athletic tools, but it just you know maybe he just doesn't have that mental click where he can uh, pull the trigger in those fights. And maybe he just doesn't have that dog in him, man. Maybe he just uh, is a little bit too nice. And I feel like that's probably what it is now. The big uh, issue in this fight is that Jung, you know, with Jung is, you know, Rodriguez is a better athlete. He's going to have to play this thing very smart early on because Rodriguez is known for a lot of first round KOs where guys can't handle the power and they just go down. But I think Jung, man, he strikes me as a very smart guy, throws a lot of jabs. I think that if he can stay away, similar to how he did against Ibrahimov, just more in a, and he's going to have, Rodriguez is going to be a lot more sharper in a, uh, especially in the early going but Rodriguez has just shown that he's got a cardio issue and that and when he loses that cardio you know there's no telling what he's gonna do I mean the guy might do something incredibly stupid some of the takedowns he's been giving up are honestly embarrassing so I'm gonna go with actually Dong Jung as a dog in his hometown I think that he's one of the more alive dogs uh and I think that he honestly just needs to extend Rodriguez and avoid his power early and i think that he can honestly win a decision in in korea or possibly get a late finish so i'm gonna go with donald jung by uh by unanimous decision in south korea yeah this is a very interesting matchup because obviously with mike rodriguez i had some high expectations for him man you saw that contender series fight goes out there hits the guy with a beautiful a beautifully timed flying knee the ufc debut against devin clark i kind of excused him a little bit because during some of the stand-up exchanges, he seemed to have a lot of success, but maybe, you know, the wrestling, you know, the takedown defense was a weakness. He could go out there and address, but he made a comment about how after that fight, he got this new strength and conditioning program. So I thought, okay, now he's not going to gas out as much, right? So then he goes out there. I bet him as an underdog against Adam Milstead, starches him in the first round. So, so far, the trend here is that the two fights he's won were first round knockouts. The one time he lost was when he got extended. So now let's see what happens when you put him in there with a guy who got finished by Vinicius Mamouche Mohera. And you know who you're supposed to fight that night? John Volante. <laughs> Interesting. Man. Yeah. What do you what do you fuck that one up to? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, when he fought uh, John Alon, so when he couldn't put him away with, with the same kind of shots that he put other guys away, maybe lesser guys, 
he kind of folded a little bit, man. And for a guy who was a minus 500 in that spot, a guy who has an 82-inch reach, the height, uh, all you know, the natural physical tools, it, it, it was just kind of alarming to see, you know, that kind of performance. And it made me, no, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be the guy who's like, you know, is he a fighter or is he an athlete? But man, it, it was kind of like. Yo, like, what's going on, Mike? Uh, in, in that in that fight, it was very, very alarming. And I think that if he can't go out here and knock out Da Eun Jung in that first round, and if Da Eun Jung stays calm, composed, starts getting off on that jab, and eventually m- drags this into deep waters, mixes in a takedown or two. I think Mike Rodriguez might fall apart because what I was getting at earlier with that strength and conditioning program, I thought that, oh, that was all the issue was. He wasn't taking that part of his game seriously. But then you see his next three-round fight against uh, against John Alon and gassed out in that first round. So maybe this guy just does have a cardio issue, you know, no matter what the program he's in. Yeah, I'm going to go with Daewon Jung here to weather that storm, uh, come out here and break Mike Rodriguez late. But, you know, I got to say, I hope Mike Rodriguez eventually turns into the guy that we thought he was or we hope he can be, you know, that whole thing. Because he's got the physical tools, man. So I I hope it pans out. But I got Jung here in South Korea. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got the return of the Korean superboy, Duho Choi. He's 14-3. and He's number 24 in the world. And he's fighting Charles Air Jordan, who's 9-2, and two, and he's the number 135-ranked fighter in the world. So, uh, I mean, man, this is interesting, Shaq, because with Duho Choi, obviously, you know, people can say the hype train was derailed, but they got to specify what they're talking about. Okay, was the hype train derailed in terms of UFC career? Or was it derailed in terms of a top 15 picture? My opinion, top 15 picture. Because when you put this guy with the right matchups, he's going to go out there and put on an absolute show. Because what Duho Choi is, he's an all-action fighter. He's killer be killed. He's knock me out or knock you out. And, uh, you know, that Cub Swanson fight is such a special fight to see those guys go out there, stand toe-to-toe for 15 straight minutes, put on a serious fight for the fans. And that's what Duho Choi brings to the table. That's why, unless he starts getting knocked out every single fight, that's why most likely he he, he will keep a spot in the UFC uh, roster, man, because this guy is very exciting. It's just about making sure he takes the right fights. Well, guess what? You're not fighting you know, perennial top 15 guys and Cub Swanson and Jeremy Stevens anymore. Now you're fighting the 135 ranked uh, fighter on planet Earth. And look, I respect this kid, Charles Jordan. I, I like his swag. I like his toughness. He, you know, he's got a little street in him. Uh, he's fun to watch. But on on the regional scene that he comes from, you know, TKO, no offense to them, but that that's kind of a soft uh, regional scene promotion. I mean, I, I don't think he would be a champ champ in the NFC like he was, uh, you know, in TKO. It's just a different level of competition. So what I'm trying to get at is, yeah, he can go out there and get these finishes against, you know, these guys he's been fighting here. But when you're talking about jumping to the top 25 on planet Earth, Shaq, it's just a completely different ball game. So even though, oh, the kid's been posting pics of him looking ripped on Instagram and the whole bit, Hey, look, you know, he might be a finisher at the TKO level, but at the UFC level, he's a point fighter at best. And I'm not trying to write the kid off, but I just think the size of Duho Choi, the firepower, and just the experience, man, is going to be too much here. So I see a lot of people taking the shot on Charles Eric Jordan. Look, I like the kid. I like his fighting style. He's exciting, but... 
I think Duho Choi is gonna is gonna bring too much to the table here, too much firepower, too much experience. I got Duho Choi, Duho yeah. Choi for the victory. I get everyone's theory of fading Duho. Like if he can get to the late rounds, that the kid's defense is a little shaky and and it's, it's very chinny. And I get he's coming off a vicious KO loss, a long layoff, but. And just now with this guy, Jordan, Jordan's a nice kid, but I just think he's overwhelmed. I mean, when you like you said, he's coming in the, coming in from TKO, and then he has to fight Des Green at 155. And now, you know, his comeback fight, uh, you know, for with his full camp is Duho Choi in South Korea. I think they're sending the kid out there to, to get knocked out, to be honest. I know Duho Choi's got some holes in his game, but look, that, that there's a difference in between. Fighting, you know, two of the best featherweights of this generation versus fighting Charles Jordan. Cub Swanson, look, I, I, you know, I've, I've said shit about him and Jeremy, yeah, this and that, but in the top fifteen sense, but like, but like, you, you take him out, that you make him fight guys that are fucking where Charles Jordan is ranked, they're gonna knock those guys the fuck out, like, you know, like Cron Gracie, you know what I'm saying? They thought he could come in here and and beat Cub on a four fight skin, Uh, you know, he got his ass whipped. So I think this is gonna be one of those cases i think duho there's levels to this shit i think he's on a completely different level than mr jordan and i think jordan probably gets knocked out here in the first round i got a lot of respect for him like you said uh kid's got a good cardio good pace but duho Choi, i think he's going to show a lot of improvements in this in his game this time he's not fighting one of the best you know two of the best featherweights of this era you know and jeremy stevens and cub swanson and i think he gets a a knockout win in his hometown Co-main event of the evening in the light heavyweight division. Uh, we've been waiting a while for this one, man. Volcan, no time, Ozdemir. He's 16-4, and four, and Alexander Rockich is 12-1. and one. Currently, they got Alexander Rockich minus 145. The comeback on Volcan Ozdemir is plus, one, is plus 125. Uh, Shaq, uh, I have a feeling that the winner of this fight is going to be one step closer to a title shot, and I also have a feeling that... Someone might be snoring on the canvas in this one. So what's your opinion between these two heavy hitters in the light heavyweight division? Yeah, 100%, man. This is a great fight. Uh, you got Vol- Volcan Ozdemir, a former title challenger. He fought Daniel Cormier. Uh, but it seemed like after that, he got on that little skid, took that out, that setback to Lionheart that not a lot of people expected at the time. And then he fought... Uh, Dominic Reyes, people thought he got robbed in that fight. I personally scored it for Reyes. It was a very close fight. And then I was glad to see him get back on track with Alir Latifi. So, Volcan Ozdemir is coming off a knockout win. Let's, uh, let's see how he does here. Now he's fighting Ratchet, who's one of the more prepared guys at 205. I mean, his, this guy's got a complete team around him. They uh, come with specific game plans. Ratchet really hasn't uh, showed too many holes besides his chin in the Devin Clark fight. Look, I know, in most cases, I would just put it to the side, but the only thing Thing that alarms me is the way that he went down you know i did feel like the second kinda, time the second time i did feel like he kind of went out stiff for a quick second there but when you're fighting a guy like devin clark who doesn't really have the composure to really you know maintain spots like that uh you know devin clark's a little spaz i mean you don't know what that guy's gonna do so uh and then he fought jimmy manoa who I, I i got tons of respect for jimmy it's just that uh look what Jimmy Manoa was coming off of, man. He was he got knocked out in the first round by Volcanos Demir first. Then he got 
the Jan Blakovic beating in which he got uh, wobbled all over the place, and then the Thiago Mejeda knockout loss. I mean, those were three vicious. I mean, so, like, I want to give Ratchet credit for that. It was a great combo. Manoa definitely didn't even see it coming, so I will give him his due for that. But at the same time, I don't really know how much... Uh, you know how valid his resume really is at 205. Justin Ledet and these guys, you got to assume Ozdemir would run through those guys in a, in a quick second as well. So this is definitely a big step up in competition, my, in my opinion. The, but the thing with is with Ozdemir is the game plan is not a... If you're a legit competitor, if, you, if you're the guy that you say you are, the game plan to beat Ozdemir... Uh, you know, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's definitely out there. I mean, this guy is a guy that is known for slowing down in the late rounds. Uh, he comes very hard early, and it's about whether or not he can turn on, Ratchet can turn on that pace in the in the middle to late second round and then dominate him in the third round for a possible finish, you know. So I feel like Ratchet, if he comes with the right game plan, he can kind of do something similar to Reyes, take over late possibly even get a knockout he's a little more uh, fast twitch a little bit more powerful but at the same time i do have a little concern about ratchet's chin i don't feel like he's really fought anybody that's gonna test that chin at this level that he's about to fight on saturday night devin clark dropped this guy and almost floored him so and justin ledead and and uh francis marbojoso those are nice guys but those are nowhere near the level of uh volcan ozdemir and jimmy manoa was coming off fucking four vicious ko so i slightly lean uh ratchet i think he's the more complete more clean fighter volcan ozdemir gets hit a bunch he slows down in fights you saw the lionheart fight in which he got submitted in you saw the dominic reyes fight him completely slow down in that third round so i think something similar gonna happen here and i think uh alexander ratchet will win a 29 27 decision I cannot wait for this fight. Obviously, Volkan Uzmir, ever since he came to the UFC, has been an underdog in a lot of his fights and uh, surpassed the expectations. The fight with Ovin St. Peru, followed by the two vicious knockouts of Misha Sarkunov and Jimmy Manoa, then might have arguably got rushed to the title shot. But what I want to say is his, his next three fights after that, the common theme that they all had, obviously, step up in competition, no doubt about it, but... When those fights got extended, that's when he tended to slow down and fall apart a little bit. And even in his win against Ovin St. Peru in that third round, there were some sketchy moments. So if, you know, what happened against Devin Clark, him getting knocked down like that, if, if Volcan can't come out here, drop him with something early and capitalize enough to finish the fight, I do think the longer this fight goes, the more that the edge will swing into into Rackage favor. And man, I think Rackage brings a lot of physical tools to the table. Obviously the kid is six foot five with a 78-inch reach. And he's he's very well rounded. He's a very smart guy too. In, in his UFC debut, and, and he's he's improving every single fight because in his UFC debut, when he got taken down by by Francie Marbajo, so you're kind of questioning if uh you know, the wrestling was a bit of a weakness, but we was able to get back up from all those takedown attempts. And his fight with Devin Clark, even though there was that one little moment where he did get caught big, he, he did stuff the takedowns. And one thing I want to say, uh, you know, there is the question about his chin, but I got to give this guy a lot of credit for his toughness because there was a moment in that Devin Clark fight where Devin Clark got off on a good amount of illegal knees where the ref wasn't paying attention for whatever reason. And, you know, Alexander Rackage didn't use that to 
you know, go down to his knees and milk the clock and, you know, do the whole bit and pull a Josh Koscheck like he did against uh, Paul Daly and Anthony Rumble Johnson. You know, he, he wasn't about all that. He ate those shots and got back up and ended up knocking the guy out. So I, I think this kid is more than just a, you know, a physical specimen. I think that he's also a very tough guy. He's got that fighter's heart and that fighter's mindset comes from a very smart camp. They're definitely getting ready, not just uh, in terms of the game plan, but in terms of the physical preparation. So I think Rakic has the right people behind him. Obviously, it is a step up in competition, and first L time is always around the corner, like we always say. So, you know, it is not going to surprise me, but I just think that I, I, I think that Rakic responds better to the shots. I think he gives out harder shots, and I'm not entirely convinced that Volkan's going to like the offense that's coming his way. So I don't know if it's going to be a knockout. I don't know if it's going to be a, maybe a submission because Rakic, we have seen him go out there and take people down as well. He's, he seems like a very well-rounded guy. But uh, no matter where it goes, uh, I do think that Rakic will have, will have the edge. And, and I think he's going to come out here the victor. So, you know, it, it's interesting, man, because with a lot of these light heavyweight prospects, when they get that step up, you know, I've been wrong about a couple of them. Jim Crute against uh, Misha Serkunov. And then you had Mikhail. Call Oleg Zaychuk against uh, Ovin St. Peru. Those guys weren't able to pass those tests, but then you had these other guys like Dominic Reyes who were able to pass the OSP test, the Volkan Uzdemir test. And, you know, another example, Johnny Walker, he wasn't able to pass the Corey Anderson test. So now I really want to know where does Rakic stand? Is he the guy that's going to get over the hump and show that he really is the next cut, uh, you know, potential future title challenger down the line? So I want to know, uh, I want to know what the deal is, man. But uh, I'm going with Rakic in this spot. I believe in this kid's uh, potential and I think he's going to show out here against the very tough and experienced Volkan Uzdemir. Main event of the evening in the featherweight division we got the korean zombie chan sung jung he's 15 and 5 and frankie the answer edgar is 23 and 7 currently they got chan sung jung the korean zombie minus 160 the comeback on frankie edgar is plus 140 shack two legends of the sport man i mean uh, we've been waiting for this fight for a while can't wait to see it finally go down obviously you can talk about the different circumstances where you know, a lot of confidence in the corner of a Korean Zombie right now. Frankie Edgar kind of at a crossroads, was dropping in 35s, is now taking this fight on short notice. You don't want to say you know, you don't want to say a legend like that is in no man's land, but we will agree this is a big fight in his career right now, Shaq. So, which way do you see it going uh, in the UFC Busan main event? Chan Sung Jones looked the best he ever had, in my opinion, and I kind of, I kind of, I don't want to say uh, saw that coming, but I just was very high on his performance against Yair Rodriguez. You know, I didn't really, I mean, who's gonna be throwing elbows like that? You know, <laughs> I mean. Not too many. You're not going to see knockouts like that too often. Um, so, yeah, this fight with Moicano, I mean, he started training at Fight Ready with uh, at Henry Cejudo's gym with Eddie Cha. And now even for this camp, he's working with my boy Eric Albersine. And, I mean, you guys have already heard what I have uh, think about those guys. I mean, those guys had two champ champs, Patricio Pitbull and Henry Cejudo. So training with those guys. And Paulo Borgina. And Paulo Borgina, a future contender coming up here. So those guys uh, have great results. And now uh, Frankie Edgar is kind of, I mean, he is in no man's land. And, and, and I've been saying this for a while as well, that Frankie Edgar's performance really, in my opinion, haven't been impressive lately, dating back to the, dating back to the Jeremy Stevens fight. I mean, uh 
after the Aldo fight, I mean, it's just been a little iffy. He's only been fighting once a year. He did beat Yair Rodriguez. Uh, Yair decided not to train for that fight, but... Uh. That's facts. <laughs> but, uh... If they ever ran it back. But, you know, after that fight, uh, Brian Ortega, he got knocked out in the first round, and fans kind of like to push that to the to the side a little bit as if it never happened, or it's because Frankie took it on short notice. But, I mean, look, he decided to take it on short he notice. He took the Cubs Swanson final short notice yeah, exactly. and won that one. Exactly, and Cub Swanson is a little bit more closer towards his uh, era, his age. He already broke Cub's job before. Cub already checked out of that fight. Uh, I mean, Cub tried to blame his loss on Ortega to, to kissing a baby or something like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, <laughs> Cub was uh, delusional at that, at that, at that point, but... Uh, I just think this fight is tailor-made for Jung to come in here and get a knockout win in front of his home crowd. I know Frankie Edgar's coming off that title fight to Max Holloway, which was more of a foregone conclusion. He he showed up in the best shape he has in a while. I think it's just going to be hard to reciprocate that. I feel like mentally speaking, he does, he's kind of just in that state where a lot of these old legends are, like, you know, Jose Aldo. And, 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 and by the way, Jose Aldo didn't win that fight, bro. I mean, me and you both scored it for Listen, a nice laugh. Listen, Jose Aldo won the second round. <laughs> yeah, I mean. But, guys, uh, you guys know that. If someone wins the first and third, <laughs> that means they won the fight. <laughs> Sorry that Jose looked great in the second round. That doesn't mean shit about about winning the first and third. Stop fighting in the third round. He was hey, moving hey, forward, hey, but he was getting countered. Hey, we love time. Jose, too. I, but, I wanted uh, him to win. But but judge a fight objectively. I mean, but Shit. Won. But anyways, uh, I think Chan Sung Jung is going to imp- uh, show more improvements off that version that you saw down there in UFC Greenville training with these guys in Arizona. I feel like his wrestling defense is going to be a lot more better working with Eric Albersine. And I think that he comes out here and knocks Frankie Edgar out in the first round. I think that Chan Sung Jung is going to look the best he ever has. And Frankie Edgar, I, I got a lot of respect for him, but uh, I just not even father time. I just think that time's up. I think that he's had a great run, achieved a lot of things in this sport. And they, unfortunately, he wasn't able to come through again at UFC 200 against Jose Aldo. But since then, it's just been kind of hit or miss. Uh, and I think that now, as he gets more older, progressively, I just think that with the same basic, uh, you know, in and out footwork with the, you know, two shots to the body, the one upstairs. Uh, I just think that guys are going to start picking up on that and start capitalizing him as he's fighting these real featherweights. So I got zombie by first round knockout uh see zombie's reaction speed is going to be getting a lot more better working at neuroforce one and i think he puts him down listen for all our newer fans that have never seen chan sung jong versus leonard garcia wc 48 go watch it right now uh, one of the best fights of all time unbelievable brawl and then after that, go put on a Korean Zombie versus Dustin Poirier, another one of the best fights of all time. Got to give respect to Frankie Edgar. Watch his Gray Maynard uh, trilogy. You know, got to got to pay got to got to pay him his dues. No doubt about it. But Korean Zombie, uh, when you talk about some of the best fights in the history of the sport, some of the most amazing moments when he had the fastest knockout in UFC history prior to Jorge Masvidal when he knocked out Mark Hominick, when he went out there and got the first twister in UFC history against Leonard Garcia, making history twice because he got fight of the year the first time that he fought Leonard Garcia. So Chancellor Jones has always been one of the most exciting fighters. And even though, you know, there he has taken his, uh, he's taken his licks inside the octagon. He's, he's, 
paid his dues, but the guy is an elite fighter. I mean, we're talking about a guy who, because I know everyone's, you know, thinks of him as this brawler. So what happens when Frankie comes out here with the takedowns? Because you know Frankie's gonna do the little pitter patter, uh, the little jersey jersey, and you know Mark, Mark Henry's gonna be calling for the hard jersey, and then Frankie's gonna try to level change. And the whole question is, oh, what's gonna happen? We haven't seen Zombie on his back. Well. You guys haven't seen Zombie on his bag, but I saw a fight between him and uh, someone who I consider uh, one of the all-time greats. Uh, I don't care what anyone says, uh, Dustin Poirier. And uh, if you watch their fight, when Dustin was going for shots, I saw reversals. I saw sweeps. I saw Darce chokes. So I think that the Korean Zombie, if the twister wasn't any indication... His fight with Dustin Poirier. And then let's take it a step further. And uh, when you talk about a guy like Hanato Moicano, I mean, his jiu-jitsu, his Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt is disgusting. His technique on the mat's insane. And granted, he was rocked when he hit the mat. But he wasn't able to to get out of uh, a position that he would have been able to get out with with lesser men. But the technique that Zombie has on the mat there, he was able to flatten them out by going under the armpits, which is a very sneaky move. And... You, you just got to give respect to the craftiness that the Korean zombie brings to the table in all facets of the game and just his warrior spirit, you know. People say he pulled a stunt against uh, Yair, and I, I disagree. I think he was going out there putting on a show for the fans because that's the kind of fighter he is. He's going to entertain every single time. He's going to get another 50K bonus in this fight. And while I respect Frankie Edgar, one of my all-time favorite fighters, I simply think that at this point in time, Lou, he comes from a generation when he was a five foot six champion at 155 pounds. Do you know what would happen if Frankie Edgar fought at 155 pounds in uh, 2019-2020? Uh It'd be over with pretty quick, and I I thought it was going to be over with at 135 pounds, too. I, I think it's over with now. Coming off the title fight loss, I respect the legend. I'm glad he's going to be paid handsomely, but I think Korean Zombie's going to come out here. He's going to be looking more explosive, more fast, more fast twitch. Uh, I think he knocks out Frankie Edgar in the first round. Well, Shaq, uh, before we talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch, you want to answer uh, these fan questions? Want to give the fans uh, what they've been waiting for? So my boy Stanley wants to know: Do you think Jordan is live? I think I think so. Choi just got a good straight right. I, I think uh, that against lesser guys, not named Cub Swanson and Jeremy Stevens, that he's gonna have a lot more. So you know, uh, maybe the line is off, but I st- I personally think he gets the win. I don't think the line's off, man. I I I think that yeah. You know, he might just have a good straight right when when he's fighting, you know, or or sorry, you know, these things might not work against guys like uh, you know Jeremy and Cub, and we might have said things about Jeremy and Cub in terms of yeah, they're not going to beat the Zabits and the Calvin Caters. But Jordan is so far from the level of a Zabit, a Calvin Cater, even a, a Brian Ortega, these guys coming up, that uh, I just don't think that Jordan is quite on the level of Duho Choi. I'm not going to count anyone out. This is MMA, and you know you never know what these guys are going through behind the scenes. But based off what I've seen, I, I just think Choi is going to get it done here, man. Dane Downey Jr. wants to know, do you think Usman was on EPO? <laughs> 
you know, I don't have any proof to back that claim up. I just know he's got great cardio, and that's that's all I really know. I think he's an amazing champion, and you know that the last two performances uh, to go out there and dominate Woodley, he did, and then to not only do that but follow that up by having a fight, a gritty fight where he had to get rocked and come back, and then ended up finishing the fight. Plus, you see his whole run leading up to his title shot. Uh, you know, man, the guy, the guy definitely puts in the work. My boy Bitcoin Kaler wants to know how much does long distance international Travis pre fight factor into analysis, if at all. Yeah, it, it has to, man, because when you talk about, you know, when you talk to these fighters or even people that travel regularly, they're going to mention that a flight from the United States or even other parts of the world to, you know, these places like Australia, these places like Korea, just halfway across the world, you know, you don't just go there, you know, sleep it off and you're good to go the next day. It's such a completely different time zone. Your sleep schedule is completely fucked up. You got to go there in advance to truly acclimate it. So I do give it a bit of a, you know, I definitely take it into consideration. Unless the fight is, you know, such a mismatch to where this guy could be on his absolute worst day and, and he's not gonna lose so yeah that, that, that's where i stand with that i don't know what this guy's username is do you know what it is shack <laughs> but he what he wanted to know is why they do your boy mickey gall like that and give him cowboy look at least they didn't give him cowboy two years ago so look here's what i gotta say yeah you got a favorite cowboy i mean you know obviously i don't gotta get into that why you have to favor him all, all i gotta say for you guys i gotta ask you guys one question do you feel comfortable with Mickey Gall taking Alex Cowboy's back? If you can answer that for me, let me know what y'all think. My boy Voice of Reality says, when will y'all transition to video? Can learn more about your opinions when we see your handsome faces. I appreciate it, bro. We got a lot of cool things in the works. Don't think that we haven't been uh, working on things behind the scenes to take the show to the next level. And video is definitely... Uh, on the list of things to come, uh, we're just not going to come out here and give you guys a half-assed product. We want to make sure that when we're ready to go, we're ready to go and really take things to the next level because we are in this for the long haul. So I appreciate the question, my man, and don't you worry, it's coming soon. My boy Halby wants to know, should Korean Zombie get a title shot if he wins? I mean, look, you can always make a a case for a guy like Korean Zombie getting a title shot, especially coming off the kind of wins that he's known for. Such emphatic finishes, such crowd-pleasing performances. So I'm never going to complain about a guy like Korean Zombie getting a title shot. But would you say there's someone else that's... I, I, I think right now it's actually going to be probably a Max Holloway rematch. That's what they're looking to do. So, you know, maybe down the line. I I, I, I hope before it's all said and done, Korean Zombie gets a, gets a, a title shot, but just probably not yet. I mean, it just depends on how uh, how he wins. If it's by first-round knockout, then there's a very good chance. Uh, but, yeah, it looks like they're doing the Holloway rematch just because Holloway's won the 13 fights in a row at Featherweight. Uh, but, hey, I'm done with the rematch. You know, hopefully we get that Volk Dog money again. Kevin Goodson wants to know who you got in a Jones or Stipe super fight at heavyweight. Um, I got Stipe. Was that? I just think that the heavyweight power is a different ball game, and that I think John Jones is getting a little bit older. I think uh, his last Stipe ain't. But uh, heavyweights can go, man. They can go to f- forty-five. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's a good, it's a good question, man. I want to see how both guys look in their next fights, but if their next fights weren't happening and they were fighting right now. 
You know, uh, it, it, it'd be interesting to see, but I do think John Jones is the more skilled fighter. So it would just come down to would the weight difference, you know, be too much? Not not that they'd be weighing, you know, 50 pounds apart, but Stipe's had his whole career at heavyweight. He's used to, you know, fighting guys that size. Jones isn't, but Jones is one of the best phenoms and just highest level skilled fighters. Uh, in the history of the sport, so I would not count out in a undefeated UFC fighter. And I, you know, and when I say undefeated UFC fighter, I don't mean five and zero. I don't mean three and zero. You know, even even ten and zero. I mean, if you count, if you if you get rid of this bullshit Matt Hamill and his couple, you know, suspensions when he did a little coke, uh, the dude's twenty one and zero in the UFC. So I would not count out John Jones in any fight against any man. Maybe Francis. <laughs> beat Francis. <laughs> but uh my boy Stuart Tucker wants to know who pulled the biggest stunt excuse me, who pulled the biggest stunt of 2019? Ricky Simone, McCall Olegzachuk, Jimmy Crute. Yeah, uh, those are a few. Um, Joe Jua. Joe Jua. Uh what's another one? Um at the end of the year, uh, we're gonna do a year-end show, and we're gonna talk about all the biggest stunts of the year. We'll have time to like actually like go look through them, but I think that was a pretty decent list for the uh, for the time being, right? This year. What about uh, yeah, Jimmy Crew? I mean, Jimmy almost finished him, and then all of a sudden he was almost tapped out. Johnny Walker, I mean, I could uh, be classified as a stun. Um, Alistair Overeem, I mean, Alistair Overeem was. About to win four zip on the cards and uh, yeah. and then <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Good question, man. We're definitely gonna address that in more detail down the line. Dave Cully Cat one Amanda Nunes minus a thousand. He's he wants to know Amanda Nunes versus Mokhtarian. What are you setting the open line at? Amanda Nunes would knock him out. Um, I mean, I would you know, minus 500. Nah, minus like minus fifteen hundred. Yeah, I mean he ain't like dude. (laughs) I don't care if it's dude versus chick. Amanda Nunes would fuck that would fuck that guy up. All respect, all respect to him. I mean he's a purple belt. She's a black belt. She knocks. (laughs) I've heard she knocks dudes out in the gym. So I know she can knock dudes out. She she fuck his ass up, guys. Don't worry about it. All right. Recap of Colby Usman, what a win lose. What it means for each, what uh, a win lose means for each man. I think that uh, Usman now is on his way to being possibly the greatest welterweight of all time, and I feel like uh, Covington didn't really stock didn't go down. I mean, look, me and Daniel have a completely different view on the guy because you know we've talked to the guy in the past. We know that he, you know, it was an act, and I felt like he uh, showed everyone that he, his skills are legit and that he's a legit top two or three guy in the division. Um, Usman is just a physical tank, he, you know, I loved how that fight had no, uh, takedown attempts, I mean, I, I recall myself telling people a couple months back that this is the welterweight fight that they should be, uh, you know, out here making, you know, fucking fake belts for and shit, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know, people said I was crazy, this, this fight was one of the greatest fights, uh, at welterweight history, you got two, you know, guys that barely lose rounds. I feel like Kobe stock goes up. I feel like, I mean, that fight proved that he's a legit guy, that he can stand with these guys as well without uh, shooting takedowns. And 
I don't know, Dana said he wants to do the Tyron Woodley fight next after uh, Kobe heals his job. And, you know, uh, I know you said in the past that Kobe would melt Tyron if they fought, so. Oh, easily. <laughs> I mean, what you guys got to understand about that fight, I know you guys don't like Kobe, this and that, but, you know, fuck all the outside bullshit. Just look at the, the fight matchup itself. The reason that uh, T-Wood lost to Usman was just that forward-forward pressure because, with T Wood, he's always looking for that chance to land that big, that one big right hand, and you know if he can't get you with that, and if he can't lure you into hurting, hurting you a couple times, he tends to break. And I mean, it's not just the Usman fight; you guys go Jake back Shields. to the Jake Shields and even the Rory McDonald fight. So I think that Colby is pay. So I mean, as you guys saw, he's a very tough fighter. I think he would absolutely mop the floor with Tyron Woodley, and I and I and I hope to see that fight next. So appreciate you, my man. Uh, just win, baby, my boy Drexel, for uh, the question. And Discovery Bull, ETA, thanks, looking forward to it. Appreciate you, my man. Matt Allen says, if Frankie Edgar gets the win this weekend, will he still move down to 135 next? Ho uh, hopefully, just so we can uh, cash in on Corey Sanhagen. Uh, Chair Small says, do you think Corey, do you think, Korean Zombies takedown defense will hold up. We haven't seen him tested by a wrestler yet. Just, uh, we we kind of went through that in our breakdown yeah. earlier, man. Uh, yeah. When you train with Eric Albertson, I fight ready your your wrestling will be. And plus, I've seen his uh his takedown defense in the past versus Dustin fucking Poirier. You know what I'm saying? Who? Yeah, he wasn't a former champion at the time like he is now, but he was at least a perennial top five guy. And it was a main event. You, you know, you know what I'm saying. So he, <laughs> this motherfucker's been proving himself on the mat for years. So I'm worried about that for at least extended period of times yeah will edgar get a takedown or two maybe maybe but uh yeah i i have faith in korean zombies ground game all right chuck diamond says thoughts on lamos going down to 115 and her cardio does granger have more than a guillotine so yeah look lamos obviously the cardio is a huge issue a huge issue even especially if you can pressure her and go through her big shots obviously going down to 115 that means that she's had to address that part of her game, but it's just the way she fights, throwing everything in every shot, she's still going to gas out a lot. It's just about will the power translate more uh, two weight classes down now. And now if she hits these girls, will they start to go down? That's the big thing. Does Granger have more than a guillotine? Well, I mean, man, her last fight she won via unanimous decision, so I'd say so. Yeah, I mean, she showed some stand-up in that fight, Rock Tana Goldie. Uh how will Lamos do at 115? I mean, the power could translate. She could uh, have enough power to win a couple of rounds. I'm interested to see. Uh, Granger open minus 350. So, Chuck Diamond, we we about to find out. MMA Girls Know says, How do you feel about possibly giving out title shots after back-to-back -back L's, especially at Bantamweight, where there's more, way more deserving guys? I can understand middleweight since Costa's out, but I still give the shot to Cannoneer. I mean, yeah, um, it's about making that money. Yeah, how do you feel about possibly going out after back-to-back -back L's? Well, we're, yo, the, the thing, yeah, Costa being out really, you know, messes that whole situation up. So, yo, well, is he is he out back-to-back -back losses? No, yeah, back-to-back -back losses. Right? Yeah. yeah, so he is out back-to-back -back losses. But it's a big fight. It's it's. I feel like Yoel's last fight was so good though that he really didn't lose that much stock. It's a big uh, fight and it looks good on the resume. And yeah, and 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 Costa beat him, so Izzy wants to prove that he can beat him as well. So that this is a, a solid little tune-up fight to get a big name on your resume, kind of like Holloway and Edgar. And then uh, you know you come in, you fight Paulo Costa mid to late next year, and you'll put on a big fight for the fans. 
especially at Bantamweight where there's more deserving guys. He's talking about Jose Aldo giving him a title shot, I'm assuming, off a loss. Well, yeah, I definitely disagree with that because I think Aldo lost that fight. But at Bantamweight, man, you can't forget about these guys. Like, there's two guys in particular that, you know, you can't forget about, and that's Peter Yan and Corey Sanhagen. I feel like these guys are, you know, knocking on the door of those title shots. They just need one solid, solid win. Maybe they might have to fight each other. Uh, Peter says that Marlon don't want to fight him, so, you know, uh, we'll see. Peter says that no one wants to fight him, so. Yeah, and I think that one thing people got to understand is that even though Yoel Romero is coming off some losses, like, there's no debating that he's still a top-caliber fighter and that not only would Israel versus Yoel be an unbelievable fight, but a lot of people thought that, I personally didn't, but a lot of people thought that Yoel might have beat Costa. I didn't think so at all. But just the point that he's that competitive with him, and then obviously you remember the second Whitaker fight where a lot of people thought he won that fight. It's just one of those things that shows he's right at that level, and if there's no one else available, why not take someone at that level who you know is going to challenge Izzy? So, yeah, I'm cool with it, man. Hey, Cannoneer, he'll he'll get a shot soon. He needs one more win. I heard he's fighting. I heard Whitaker's trying to... uh... Trying to run away. Andrew Feldman says, with such a stacked division and a lot of intriguing matchups, who is the men's UFC Bantamweight champion at the end of 2020? Man, that's a good fucking question. I mean, look, obviously you know who it comes down to. It comes down to Cejudo, Peter Yan, and Sanhagen. Or maybe the dark horse Aljamain. He's come a long way. But I think the three we mentioned prior or before him – have a better chance, but yeah, those would be the guys. Unless there's some other guy that we don't know about that's coming up uh, in, in the wakes, but you know, I, I, between, between all of us guys, Cejudo, Sanhagen, and Peter. Yeah, uh, that's what it comes down to. So the MMA casual says, when and where do you guys actually answer these questions? You ask every week, and I've never heard you answer a question on your show. Damn, man. Well, firstly, I do appreciate you listening to our show every week, man. Like that means a lot to us. But secondly. Why waste uh, your question on that when we're answering questions right now, my man? You know what I'm saying? So it's all good, man. It's all uh, good, my boy, MMA Casual. You just got to – we uh, we appreciate the support. Absolutely, man. So now, Shaq, we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Busan? Alexandre Pantoja versus Matt Schnell. I love the flyweights. The flyweights consistently perform all the time, like we saw last weekend with the assassin baby Moreno and Kai Kara France. I mean, those are the, some of the most athletic, fast guys in the UFC, and I think Pantoja and Schnell, I mean, I feel like it's got to end in one of these crazy, uh, vicious, brutal ways. So I'm going to go with uh, Pantoja versus Schnell as my fight to watch. Yeah, man, I mean, especially where they're at in their careers, their history as teammates on The Ultimate Fighter, the kind of performances they've been putting on lately, I cannot wait. But for me, for similar reasons, Hione Barcelos versus Saeed Nurmagomedov. I mean, you're talking about a matchup between two guys that are undefeated in the UFC right now. They've been going out there, stopping their opponents in emphatic fashion. And uh, I think the winner of this fight is going to be poised to get in that top 15 and eventually make a run. And both guys have very bright futures and not only that it's gonna be a a serious knock while it lasts uh and that's for sure so hyoni barcelos versus saeed nurmagomedov is my fight to watch well Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for ufc south korea ufc on espn plus 23 
My fighter to watch is going to be Chan Sung Jung. He's fighting in front of the hometown crowd. I mean, everyone in that crowd paid their ticket to watch him fight. He's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders. And I'm interested to see how he handles the legend Frankie Edgar. If you can breathe Frankie Edgar impressively, you can't den deny that you're very close to a title shot. So Chan Sung Jung's my fighter to watch. I want to see how he performs in front of the home fans. Yeah, and for me, my fighter to watch is uh, Alexander Rakic. I mean, look... Like we already mentioned, with the light heavyweight prospects, they've been trying to feed the new generation to the old generation. Like, even as recently, you know, I say new generation, but you saw Paul Craig versus Mauricio Shogun. You see what they're trying to do. But then uh, there's these other matchups, like we already mentioned earlier Mikhail Oleg versus Ovin St. Prue, Jimmy Crute versus Misha Serkunov, Johnny Walker versus Corey uh anderson and now they're trying to do the same thing with alexander rakic and volkan uzdemir and like we mentioned with those guys that didn't pass the test the crudes the mccall Zaychuks, you got guys like dominic reyes who did pass the test when they fought the osps and uh, the cannoneers and the widemans and all, all this and that so now i'm very curious to see what happens when alexander rakic goes in there against a former title challenger a guy who's been in, in there with the likes of daniel cormier future hall of famer anthony smith dominic reyes osp all these experienced guys and alexander rakic very promising prospect now we're gonna find out if he's ready to take that next step towards the top five so i cannot wait for that so for that reason Shaq, alexander rakic is my fighter to watch well Shaq, we did it it's going down this saturday Last event of the year, man. Uh, I cannot wait to end with a win. Uh, you can get our bets at bestfightpicks.com right now running a promotion. Because as you know, not only is Korean Zombie and Frankie Edgar fighting this week, but the next event starting next year is Conor McGregor versus Cowboy Cerrone. You know that's going to be a huge card. So if, uh, if you buy our bets for UFC Korea this weekend, we got you on the McGregor card next year so bestfightpicks.com for that we really appreciate all your guys support you can follow Shaq at mmagenius05 on twitter you can follow him as well at shackbfp on instagram buy one get one free for our vip packages our instagram bestfightpicks official make sure you guys follow me at bestfightpicks we truly want to thank you guys for all your support it means a lot to us subscribe to half the battle on itunes soundcloud youtube stitcher spotify and all the places that we are available hit up our sponsor flav cbd with that promo code battle to save 10 percent and go to bestfightpicks.com for our bets. We want to thank you guys so much for all your support this has been a great year and uh, we look forward to an even better one next year so until the next time, let's cash these bets.